Welcome to Creative Twist. I'm Sally Vanderpump and I'm going to be talking to people who have rediscovered their creativity after a break or taken a twist in their career path and tried something new. I know creativity has made my life better. Let's find out more about how it has changed my guests' lives. Louise Brecken Richards is a playwright and actress. She trained at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. She's appeared in TV shows including Temple, Coronation Street, Cuckoo, Doctors and Sherlock. She's performed at the National Theatre, West Yorkshire Playhouse and with the English Shakespeare Company, among many others. When she experienced vocal problems, Louise turned to writing and painting to express herself. And her plays include Four O'Clock Flowers, In the Mouth of the River, Trace and The Cloak of Visibility a one-woman show in which I play Amy at the Space Arts Centre in June 2021. We talk about how much we have missed the shared experience of theatre in lockdown, how collaboration is essential, and how to bring the joy of creativity to everyday life. Are you there, Lou? Hello, I'm here. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to it. So you actually, you've had a creative career all your life, haven't you? You've sort of managed to sustain momentum as a creative. How did that sort of start for you? Yeah, I, I think from a very early age, I've always been creative. I've always loved performing and I've always I was I danced a lot when I was younger from when I was kind of four till I was 15 which led to a youth theatre and uh, that was brilliant so I was in the youth theatre for three years and then while I was doing the youth theatre I was also doing my art A level as well um, so there was always this kind of art in the background as well at one point I wanted to be a set designer because kind of the two worlds kind of fused because it was my love of kind of going to the theatre imagining how I design a set you know the kind of um but then got into drama college and that kind of decided it for me which is brilliant yeah so I've always fallen back to creativity whatever I've done really um of course with lots of periods of non-creativity in between like most artists do where I've done a million other jobs as well um, a lot of which have not been creative. Oh, really? Like yeah, what? Yeah, what I worked thing? in a I worked in a jewelry shop. I worked in, for the Crown Jewelers for a whole year, um, and didn't do anything. Didn't do any art or acting. Uh, uh, in a particularly quiet period of my acting career, I've worked in a paint your own pottery shop. I've worked in an art shop. Um, I've done lots of admin. Um, I've worked in a restaurant. The list goes on and on and mm. on. I think um, children's entertainer, although that's still kind of quite creative as well. But yeah, um, kind of at different so, periods. But, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, but did you always know that you had to kind of carry on with the creative? You never thought, oh, maybe I'll just get a, a job, normal job. <laughs> I, I, I just felt like whatever I did, I never really felt complete unless I was doing something creative so even if it was having a period where I wasn't acting I'd have to then do a bit of writing or I'd have to do a bit of painting for my own mental health really I always felt like it was Mm. important it was a really important way of expressing myself was to keep any sort of artistic process going at any given time and the periods of my life where I didn't is where I've got the most low I think and, and where I've struggled where I haven't allowed myself to you know, still 
consider myself an artist you know I'm sure a lot of us uh, well I did the artist way I've done that quite a few times in those times you know um, but I've yeah no I've always kind of come back to it somehow and when I haven't I've felt kind of less hold and less of a person but that's you know me and my survival mm. and what what makes me tick you know so yeah that's so familiar to me um it's funny actually I'm just doing the artist way um with a group of friends so oh, great. Sort of, we've just I've tr- I've tried before and got about halfway through but yeah. actually I'm hoping that yeah. doing it with a it's good to do it with friends I, it. Yeah, yeah I did it with a friend years ago and it yeah it definitely helps keep the momentum going and um yeah it's good it's a good thing to do it's a good prompt isn't it I think it's like when yeah. you're in any sort of creative collaborations as well like I'm in a writer's group, um, anything that you're doing with other people, it kind of keeps you going, particularly through all of this lockdown period. That seems mm. more important than ever, doesn't it? Kind of people cheering you on to keep yeah. those things buoyant. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I, I heard a podcast yesterday, actually, by um, Andy J. Pizza called Creative Pep Talk, and he was mm. talking about how we need to switch from me to we and actually that gives a whole different dynamic to the yeah. creative process if when you're collaborating. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's what we're devoid of at the moment. I think, you know, I, I mean, I can act in my own room, I can sing on my own, I can do a million paintings, but if you can't share them with people or if you can't actually get in a rehearsal room or if you can't, you know, I think technology's been brilliant to kind of keep us connected creatively. But the we, yeah, the we... It's such an important part of creativity for me. And I think, I don't know about you, but when you do eventually get back in that rehearsal room and, you know, with the director and, you know, even a a writer, a lot of writers love sitting there as well, you know, even if they're not actively standing up, you know, contributing. It's just that feeling of being part of something, isn't it? Creating Mm. something together. Um, Yeah. So you you went to... Was it Guildhall? You went to Guildhall, yeah, yeah, um, 1990 to 1993 for um, three years, and that was great. Really, really good experience, really positive um, training. You know, it was uh, it, it really kind of sets you up and, and gives you the toolkit you need, you know, to embark on a, on a professional career. I mean, I think I was very young. I was not long turned 18. And I remember going to the audition beforehand and they were saying, are you sure you're ready to kind of leave this little village in Wales and go into the into the big city and the bright lights? And I was quite adamant. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be absolutely fine. But of course it was quite, it was quite daunting. And I think part of my training, I also was doing a lot of growing up as well. Um, and so if I had to go back now, I think I'd be a lot more studious and um, disciplined. I think we feel like that a lot, don't we, as adults? Like when you go back into learning as an adult, it's a different thing from when you're a teenager. I think of my eldest son, who's almost 18. And I think, wow, that was the age I was leaving Wales and getting on a train and staying on the 14th floor of a YMCA in the middle of a Barbican. <laughs> wow. kind of crazy now. When I think about yeah. it, um, but you know, I made friends for life, and it it gave me a really good jump start to yeah, you know, what yeah. what theatre and you know what the world would be. Although 
maybe not always prepared you for the times when you're out of work I think sometimes mm. so were you able to go straight from there into did you have work no sort of no straight away, I, I didn't it was quite a struggle for me actually um what happened was is in the second year towards the end of the second year a lot of people were getting taken on I think at the end of the second year beginning of the third year people after our showcase got taken on by agents some people started leaving to do jobs, uh, to go off the RSC and do TV jobs. And then some of us were kind of left behind without any agents. So it was it was an odd feeling, actually. It felt a little bit like all of, all of those two years previous where you're building up that sense of being together and you're all in this together. And, and then suddenly people start leaving. And I think I was naive to think that, you know, you wouldn't have that forever. You know, it's like drama college gives you that kind of you're surrounded by cotton wool in a way as well where you you know it's quite a a kind of secure safe environment and going out into the big bad world so it was very very different um no I didn't um I didn't leave with an agent so it was slow it was much slower for me so it was about six months after leaving drama college and I got my first job in Milford Haven at the Torch Theatre and from that point onwards I didn't stop working for for quite a long time in theatre oh that's brilliant which yeah. was which was brilliant but it it definitely it definitely took me longer than most people but um but that sounds quite quick to me but maybe that <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I was yeah. comparing myself to what was happening to other people in the year maybe that was the wrong thing to do actually and that, mm. and that you know an actor's career is a marathon it's it's not always a sprint is it it's um mm. if you want to sustain a career in acting it often takes you you really have you, you have to be prepared for those those ups and downs those kind of roller coaster parts of your career where maybe you know things happen in your life you have children you step back you know I know for you you know it's life happens doesn't it as well yeah yeah exactly Um, you know because so you went back to it after you had your kids quite did you go back to it yeah I kind of never stopped in a way so even when I'd had uh even when there were babies I remember doing I did a sh- I did an episode of something called Family Affairs and I was still breastfeeding and I remember being on the platform you had to travel there yourself and I remember being on the train platform and um I think it was my eldest yeah he was still very very young and I heard a baby cry on the platform and I started like tingling and thinking and the costume department had to help me out because you know obviously when you're breastfeeding little accidents happen as well so um Maybe that was a bit too early and I remember doing an episode of Doctors and having to go into uh, the toilet of a... Maybe I'm oversharing here a bit, but it's kind of all interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, take a breast pump with you and... Um, yeah, no, I carried on pretty much and 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 kept myself kind of um, with my agent at that time and yeah. uh, made myself available, I guess. That's Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. I mean, it's funny because... It, as you know, it was kind of the opposite for me in that I, I was pregnant when I did my last show yeah. with um, my son, and then after that, it just, it, I just didn't get back into it for yeah. fourteen years, and then as you yeah. know, because I got a part in your yes. play, so I yep. want to talk a little bit about your um, about your writing then. So when yeah. when did you? When did you switch to writing? Well, it was... Or not switch because you you sort of sustained both. Yeah. I think... I was thinking about this the other day. I think I've always been writing. Like, even before I went to drama college, even when I was in drama college, I've always been writing bits of dialogue and script. I've had an inner dialogue of things that I wanted to create. 
I'd written a diary for, I'd written a diary for about 15 years and then stopped about eight years ago or something like that. Um, so writing, I'd always been kind of putting stuff down. Um, but what happened was I had some vocal problems um, about 10 years ago where I wasn't able to perform anymore and it was quite devastating at the time. Um, obviously it's fine now. And I think I was searching for a way of expression again and a way of doing it. So I joined a playwriting group while I was still in recovery and while I was training to do a marathon because I had to kind of find another muscle that would work and um, joined this playwriting um, group at City Lit, which was just brilliant because it kind of um, not 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 validated. It was a bit early for that, but it gave me a, a framework and a structure of being able to really write plays because I'd always written something but um, the teacher there Gemma Kennedy she she kind of enabled me to really get going with it and look at dialogue and look at character which I thought I knew well because I was an actor but actually it is a different craft and it's a different skill set and it's great mm. if people can help you with that and teach you and yeah. look at suspense plot and emotional plots and um you know, what makes good plays, studying it. It was just, it was so enlightening. It was so brilliant. And then once, once I'd started that class, it seemed like this portal opened and I literally didn't stop writing then as well as still acting. But then it was like something opened and I couldn't stop. And these, these kind of plays were, was, were starting to develop over a long period of time, not all in one go. Um, but yeah, and I just regularly went to this class for quite a few years and and she did another class for an advanced playwriting. And then after her classes finished, um, some of us formed a group who meet up on the South Bank every Wednesday and kept that going as well. Um, yeah, and then since then I've written five, five full-length plays, not all of which have been put on yet. Um and the play, yeah, so the, the Cloak of Visibility, which is bringing us completely up to date, being the play that you will be performing in in June, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, that was written as a kind of stream of consciousness initially, and then over time kind of formed it into what became this story of, of a, a woman. It became a one-woman piece about a woman on her kind of quite a traumatic but enjoyable, fun journey, kind of an exploration of women visibility you know that i mean we could go on and couldn't we about the the themes in it but um i guess that's the most yeah up-to-date bit of writing and it was great because obviously we knew each other didn't we from we'd met years before through mutual yeah. friends and um yeah we we had all these connections but that, that that we hadn't kind of quite put together and yeah, I mean, I definitely think that watch because I came to see you in um, Can You Hear Me Running? Yes. And I remember watching that and just thinking how brilliant it was and, you know, being really inspired by that and, and thinking, oh, I would love to do that again. But at that point, I didn't yes. have the kind of courage to go for it. So, yeah. um, but it just sort of came together really, really well because I auditioned for your play and yeah. I love it so much I'm really excited to oh yeah to do good. it again I um know. I know and it's been a luxury and I mean it's been really hard I know a lot of projects have fallen and there's been so many disappointments but weirdly we've had this time haven't we to develop it a little bit more and the luxury of being able to really refine stuff and so when we're ready mm. we'll be hopefully really 
really ready. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just thinking then about the sort of fear and like the vulnerability of performing or putting your work out there because it is quite a, you know, it does touch on lots of deep things and it's a very emotional mm. piece. How, what does it feel like to sort of share, put things out there that are so not necessarily personal because it's in the character, but mm. you know, it's I think I think it's sort of brave to put your work out there in any form, it, like whether it's writing poems, yeah, um, yeah, I, your artwork, yeah, because you do feel a bit like somebody's seeing into your soul in a way. Because anything you produce, art, writing, has to come from your psyche and your subconsciousness somewhere, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day as well because. What was great about Can You Hear Me Running was is that I didn't write that piece. You know, it was my kind of personal story. But Joe Harper, who is a fantastic writer, had written it for me, you know, knowing my story and doing that, which enabled me to sort of step back from playing myself in a way. I was playing myself, but, you know, she'd written a great story around it as well. I mean, it was all true, but um, but with... You know, and that was brilliant. And I could share that and I could do a very honest, it was a very honest, vulnerable performance, which scared the living daylights out of me. And we t- we've talked a lot about this, isn't it? You feel like when you're doing a one woman piece, you really are, you really are laying yourself bare on that stage. But it's a great, you know, it's a really great challenge for an actor. I think once you've done that, I mean, I'm saying nothing else is quite as scary. Of course, you do another job and then it's it's just as scary. But there is something about, you know, putting yourself on stage like that and also me writing something like that and going, gosh, this has come from my innermost kind of thoughts um, and, and psyche. And um, yeah, I think I've got braver. I've got braver since doing Can You Hear Me Running because I think that was such an exposing delicate thing for me to do it was a risk for me to do it was it was so cathartic it was so empowering and once I'd done that I felt like well anything I write or anything I write for somebody else to perform you know why should there be any hold bards about this what what do I really want to say you know what stories should be out there for for women not of a certain age that I in a way that term is awful but what what are the unheard stories Mm. And um, I mean, asking you as well, how did you feel? How did you feel when you, after taking that break and then really throwing yourself in the deep end, didn't you? Um, yeah, well, it was, show? it is an amazing opportunity for me. Cause, but one of the things about it was I just, just reading the short extracts for the, um, for the auditions, it really touched me deeply because it was so um sort of genuine and and it's got such variety from comedy to tragedy and and I think you know that comes from you being prepared to put your your soul out there because it you really I really really feel that as a play and I think that's why it's so powerful yeah I think it's yeah. important isn't it it's important to have tone in a play I think that's that's the thing I'm always keen to to mind for is that it, however sort of dark or bleak plays are is to lift some humor from it because of course often in really dark drastic situations we can still find the humor we have to we have to kind of survive don't we I think it's part mm. of being human is that we have to 
get through it somehow and, and humor is a great it's a great way of pulling an audience in as well of of making an audience get on side with you I think before you really mm. hit them with the you know the deeper and the truth yeah, <laughs> yeah. With, the, with, with the truth you know and I think it, it's interesting because you know I have I've written comedy before and I'm always trying to write the comedy and then there's always some kind of bleakness that kind of comes into it as well and I I wonder if that's, that's like kind of Welsh li- soul coming well, through you know I yeah. don't know or is it just like life is yeah. not all yeah. comedy and rosy and yeah. you know and yeah. obviously that's been a big thing for everybody this Crikey, last yeah. year yeah I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on how we can, how storytelling and creativity can yeah. help us kind well, of come out? It, come it's out really interesting. So I still, I often meet with my writers group on a Wednesday, and we were talking about, you know, what are people going to want? What will people want after this? You know, we were all trying having a discussion. Will people want something to reflect what they've been through? Will people want COVID stories, isolation stories? You know stories about loss or will people want complete escapism will they want something light will they want something which takes them out of that and it's really interesting I don't think we know I don't think we we know yet I think people can just write what they want to write and see how it's received um I don't think we can surmise we can only ever do what makes us feel like it's some sort of catharsis during it don't we you know there's um I'd love to write a, a, a something hopeful about the situation, but I think we're, we're all still in it, aren't we? And I think mm. often when you're writing or creating stuff, particularly writing, for me anyway, personally, I have to step back from it before I can revisit something. Mm. Whereas with art, when you paint, I don't think you're quite, I think you can you can paint something without having to necessarily have it fully formed. Like I've been doing lots of painting during lockdown I think because I know there's no judgment in it and 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 I think there's there's no need to show it to anybody um doesn't have to mean anything to anybody yet or you know it's Mm, just and yet I saw your series that you did um it sort of took its own shape didn't it and it became a journey and a sort of hopeful yeah without way out a sort of metaphorical way out of darkness in a way yeah yeah it's interesting because whenever I Whenever I try to write something important or radical or political, or if I try to, if somebody asks me, well, what do you want to say in your play about this before you've even written it? I could never, ever answer that in the same way that if I try, if I try to deliberately paint something and it's like, right, I'm going to paint this for somebody and I know they'll like it and I'll know they'll buy it. Invariably, that never happens, you know, but if I just create something and like that series of paintings, which I've now titled The Return, is like, it is a story, actually. I didn't realise I was writing a story. And what I've done now is that I've written a poem that, that runs alongside of all of the little paintings. And maybe that'll be a play as well. I don't know. But I think mm. that that particular series of painting was, was really to just quell my, as I'm sure, feeling my anxiety and feelings of fear about what we've, what we've all been through and grief and loss and comfort, you know, there's a lot of comfort in, in painting, I think, um, mm. you know, cause you, yeah. you paint as well and you create, yeah. you know, outside of being, I actor. think, was it Picasso said, if I could say it in words, there'd be no reason to paint. Huh. 
I love and that. I love that that you um maybe the painting fills in the gaps where you yeah. you can't you haven't processed it yeah. yet. That's great. That's yeah. so true. It's so so true, isn't it? And it's funny because I think without sounding pretentious in any way, I think when I you know, when I paint, I feel like a child again and, and there is that mm. part of us when we're children, we don't really think too much about what we're making we just make it you know we get some paper together and we get some paint and I mean when we're really really young and I definitely have that that feeling when I'm free painting when I'm just making something up out of my imagination and I think I think there's been a real need for that during this time because if 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 we try to make sense of what's happened I don't think we can can we if we try and logically structure it into a scene and a play and like so what was that you know it would be no it's too big to it's sort of too big to comprehend at the moment isn't it it will be I have sort of had that feeling of or I've never felt before so much that we're living through a period of history that will be looked back at you know absolutely um, yeah and reflect upon and and you know there'll be there'll be thousands there'll be millions of people writing plays about it and stories mm. and, and painting pictures yeah but it's interesting like you say is that what we'll want or whether and also I think there is a slight concern that or maybe it's just necessary that there'll be a quite a conservative drive in a way to have very I don't know period pieces or things that will pull in mm. big audiences with big names or I don't know yeah. but I also think there might be a ground a, gra- a grassroots revival mm. you know smaller mm. smaller companies will have to start up again or you yeah know, there might be a fresh a fresh start yeah and what and also what have we learned about digital theater technology and you know will there be will those two things morph for live theater and digital theater morph a lot more is that something that we're just used to you know will we'll be able to for instance um the space where cloak visibility is going on they've invested in a in a great live streaming um kit haven't they yeah which possibly they wouldn't have thought of and I was talking to someone else but I don't think we'd started recording about how um it could actually have a good benefit for accessibility yeah. and you know we can now we now know that we can watch theatre on the other side of the world if you can't go or you're maybe yeah. catch up on things so yeah. yeah whether we hopefully we can integrate that in the future yeah, it's it's just that thing, isn't it, of, I mean, same as you, you probably feel exactly the same. Just that feeling that we miss, though, isn't it? That's what we've been missing is literally that lights down, a communal moment where you all take an in-breath, phones are off. You know, it is like, I don't know, is it Peter Brook said it's like, you know, the theatre's like, you know, religion and the church. It's like that thing that... When we enter it, we all know that we're we're going into a communal space. I think that's what we've all been missing, though, isn't it? It's like, you know, hearing people's breath by the side of you or hearing people be moved by something or laugh at something. It's the shared experience, isn't it, of theatre, mm. that has been the hardest, I think, you know. Um, yeah, and, you and know, that, and and that dynamic. Of, yeah, and I've been guilty of looking, you know, of, of putting theatre on and then thinking, oh, should I just check that email on my phone? It's terrible. You know, and I'm a re- I'm really disciplined person. I'm w- really well behaved in the theatre. But of course, when you're at home and you're able to sit mm. on the sofa, sorry, go on. Yeah, the distraction. Yeah. No, I was just going to say about the the um kind of group dynamic of audiences as well, where you 
you know each show can be different and yeah it's yeah. all unpredictable and uh, you know you can feel like one audience for whatever reason collectively takes something different from the next yeah. night or you know yeah. it's it's something that's not replaceable online I don't no. think no it's a moment in time isn't it that that yeah mm. like you say can change every night yeah, yeah. Moment in time and space and but it is great it also is great that we've had modern technology to keep us connected I mean how difficult mm. would have all this been to I mean look at all the amazing creative connections people have done over the last year you know readings yeah. and you know creative humans are really adaptable aren't they that's the thing that it will out itself creativity kind of outs itself no matter what doesn't it it kind mm. of um won't lay hidden for long I think it's no. just it's just that you know people who have been working in theatres we're all tired now of not you know going back to work it's just been devastating for those for all theatres all around the world and the country I just really feel not and not just for the actors on stage backstage ushers everybody technicians stage managers doorkeepers that you know theatre employs so many people doesn't it? it it kind of puts food on the table for thousands and thousands of people so fingers crossed it's it's coming back soon yeah yeah you going back a little bit Lou, you mentioned um being disciplined I wonder if that feeds into your work do you have a particular way of writing or of painting are you structured or how does it work um, for you painting I have absolutely no structure for at all I just Unless, I mean, I'm quite a finisher, so like with this series of new paintings, I wanted to finish the collection because I had a story, I hadn't realised it at the time, but I had a subconscious story going on. So I knew in a way what I wanted to finish. So there was the momentum, but ordinarily I'll just do a painting as and when I'm feeling like, oh, I need to do that because I need to centre myself a bit. I need to do something creative for me. I need to shut off the, the noise of the world. Um, writing... I really try to give myself a little bit more structure with because um, I, I give myself deadlines. And actually, I had a I had a writing commission last year, so that was good. So I knew I had to get the final draft in by a certain time, and it was for a rehearsal draft that sadly didn't happen in the end. Um, you know, a big play that I'd written. But normally, what I would do is I'd often take myself out the house, so I'd go to a local cafe and sit down because there's no distractions there's no domestics around you there's no kids wanting anything um but but that's been really difficult during all of this because i've had uh you know one homeschooling in one room one homeschooling in the other my husband working in the kitchen so literally i've been working from a camping table in the bedroom and i found it really really difficult to, to discipline myself with my writing i've managed to do one draft but that's only because I we've done a couple of readings during that time as well and I've fortunately attached myself to you know a few directors like for our play um, and also with another play that I'm writing so that's great because you feel like you you want to do it for them you want to kind of finish something and get something ready for the next thing but but if I'm just it's coming writing, back to that me to we you is. know making it a collective experience isn't it, it I guess it, it so is it's like even like when we went for a walk recently it's just like by going for a walk with you and discussing something 
it feels like I've made a verbal commitment to change something in the play. You know, it's like when you're on your own, you're you're quite adrift, and you're on your own mm. if you can't get out of the the home space. For me, I think if you can't go somewhere else and and escape, yeah. and that's you know, while we've been in lockdown, that's been really different. And I think my writing is is definitely because I know I've got I've got a long list of plays that need they need some work, and I just haven't been able mm. to to knuckle down really yeah and I think it's that um there's also that there's doubt that can creep in can't it and you know yeah. you, you almost need someone else outside to say oh that's yeah that's a yeah. valid or good idea not that you necessarily need um validation all the time yeah. but just it helps to have do yeah you, do you ever find that do you ever think oh or do, are you quite good at powering through the I'm, I'm good at powering through but I definitely definitely need help so I've worked with dramaturgs who are brilliant um I worked with um, somebody called Neil Grutchfield and he's just amazing who will help you get to that next draft you know move through into the into the next place uh obviously Mike Carter at the space is brilliant as well um yeah, I've often worked with people and directors who who push you, who, who give you that next push on. But I am, one thing I am as a finisher, I do like to finish things. So I will get, I'll definitely get to the end of something. Uh, but getting to the, when I have to start the next draft, I'm a bit like a child and I sit, I often sit for ages looking at the computer and then putting another wash on and then thinking, oh, I'll just clean the oven or I'll... Um, Oh, are those photos under the bed? Oh, right, you know. So, I'm I can distract myself a lot. Or somebody, yeah. will, or somebody will yeah. call me, and I think, oh, that was good that you've called me. That that means I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like anything. It's so think. easily done, isn't it? I mean, I think that's yeah. true. What you said about going out, giving yourself a workspace where it's just for work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. were talking the other day, I think, about um, I'm reading the one thing at the moment which is yes. very good about blocking time and yes. saying this time is for yeah writing or whatever yeah. it is and, I want to and, read that you must give me that mm, yeah 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 it's definitely something I need because I'm I'm more of a starter and mm. and then we'll start and maybe the doubt will creep in or whatever and I'll just park yeah. it for a yeah. while I think the doubt is there for me consistently I think I I live in doubt all the time but but some sort of part of me powers on regardless and I think my running helps with that that kind of the physical element of running supports the psychology of just doing it you know one Mm. step another step another step and then finish you know you've done it then so and building habit as well yes yeah and do you so do you think you kind of pick the form that suits what you need to say or does a story come first that's an interesting one I've never yeah I've never ever thought about that actually I think stories and images come first and then and then the form comes after actually yeah I think it's that way around for me so like a character or dialogue will come or a picture will come in my head before I paint it yeah so I think yeah is it inside out rather than outside in I don't know if that's relevant mm. to what you're asking but yeah um I think all the different forms of creativity that I use s- 
support different things of what I want to say in a way. I think the the artwork and the painting supports a side of me that feels you can criticise, but you can't tell me what to do. Do you know what I mean? That kind of slightly authority, lack of authority that I sometimes freaks me out, but that I can paint what I want. I can just, it's, un it's unanswerable to, I suppose, art in that way. You know, you can paint, painting supports that side of me that doesn't have to be questioned about anything that can just put something on a canvas and people can critique it, but they can't exactly say what it is. They can't tell me. Where yeah, it's and they can't say it's from. wrong or it. They can't say it's wrong. Nobody can tell me. Nobody can exactly say where it's come from. Plays are a little bit different because I think you're open to a lot. You can be open to a lot more criticism of, well, that's not accurate. That's not factual. You know. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. People... What's that like to be critical? Yeah. Do you? How do you? Or have you it's dealt strange. with that? Yeah, I've. I've been lucky in that so far, you know, I haven't had that. I've only had um, a couple of professional plays put on, but so far I've had pretty positive reviews. But you do feel a little bit more under scrutiny because you feel a sense of responsibility um, of reenacting something on a stage, of giving it to people to speak. It's almost like you feel people might judge that they're your opinions but of course they're not they're the character's opinions and the character's feelings but you do you do have a different level of responsibility with playwriting um and then with acting of course that's the fun bit with acting because of course you can give up entire responsibility for it the the acting is the the sort of part of me is the entertainer and the 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 one who wants to be loved and wants to kind of make people happy and that fulfills the part of me that um loves playing and just loves playing with other people on stage and, mm -hmm. and just um entertaining I guess yeah and yeah so each each one actually fulfills a different part of my personality yeah and um, I love it that you come back to playing because I think that's such a crucial oh part of the yeah. creative process, yeah. isn't it? That's And that's oh, what so many yeah. people... You can end up... I remember when I wasn't doing anything creative and I was working at um, in newspapers and had a small mm. child and I just had this feeling of, there's, there's really something missing. Like, this can't be yeah. it to life. Yeah. And I really yeah. think it is that opportunity to, yeah, play and experiment yeah. and just... Um, express yourself yeah it's a natural thing that we all have you know we all like, have but not everyone no. allows themselves it no no and you're right actually saying that yeah I remember when when I wasn't doing anything creative I mean that that period of time where I was working in the clock and watch department with some really lovely people really really lovely people there but it wasn't for me, you know, and it was just like I wasn't painting, I wasn't writing, I wasn't acting. I had a rotation of three different suits uh, that I wore, but I had this horrible, horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach every day of like, is this, is this me? Is this, and it obviously isn't me because when I'm allowed, <laughs> kind of, you know, throwing out creative stuff all over the place, you know, but there are, yeah, I've definitely had those moments where, yeah, I feel... Um, Without getting too, without getting too spiritual about things, but for me, it is definitely like my spirit is lessened when I'm not doing something 
a little bit creative that isn't mm. trying to express something to other human beings in a you know creative form yeah I think it's so much about that connect connectivity isn't it? like connecting yeah. with other people yeah yeah even more so I think when you you know um go, when you lose a part of yourself that you can't connect with like when I actually physically had lost my voice for a period of time for me that was such a, a difficult moment of in, introspection where I had to mine some really really difficult deep emotions about well if I'm not even allowed to connect on a daily basis with people and with my children and if this is going to hurt well, because you literally be... couldn't speak you had to go on voice rest and yeah had to operate you know I had an operation I you know I was told that this you know we don't know what's going to happen after this and it, it was such a painful struggle even just to speak in day-to-day -day life um it really made me reevaluate what was important and what I did want to say, I suppose, what I did want to do and how I wanted to express it um, mm. and not take that voice for granted either in whatever form it comes. And that, that was the other thing I learnt about me and Joe and Steve creating Can You Hear Me Running is that creativity is a voice and it's not just a physical um vocal manifestation manifestation of that it is through art it is through writing it is through acting it, mm. it, it comes in so many different forms you know yeah I think we can sort of feel in a pr under pressure to define yourself as one or the other but actually mm. it's all this I, I quite often go back to the idea of what we're we're not that far from when we would have been in caves. What would we have done when we were? Yeah. And I, you know, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was thinking the other day, oh, maybe the cave painters would have been the same people that yeah. sat around the fire and led the storytelling at night, you know. Yeah. I yeah. don't know, that was just well, <laughs> yeah. getting off on one no, of my no. little anthropology imaginings. But um, yeah, yeah. And then gone we out don't and have to split it as... Yeah, we don't. Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes there's a danger of that, isn't it? It's thinking, you know... I am just an actor or I'm just an artist or I'm just a writer or, you know, or I'm, you know, creating this podcast or I'm doing this or, you know, it's, it's, and actually, yeah, we, we can be lots of different things, can't we, all at the same time. Mm. Um, I think I've I know, I think I do, that. yeah. I do think there's such a tendency towards identity, like you have to identify as specific mm. things or, you know, and actually we are all so multifaceted. Mm. To, yeah in art in all sorts of ways yeah and I think I, I actually think I've got a friend of mine Lexi Strauss who's, who's an artist but has recently gone back to performing again as well and and she's a she's a brilliant example of of how you can fuse performance and art and writing and everything um and never sees that they're separated in a way um and I and she said something really interesting to me just after you know my voice was coming back and I was kind of healing after that. She was like, Lou, your your artwork is going to dictate a lot of what you write and what you're writing will dictate how you act. And, you know, possibly the writing will help you become a better actor and the acting will help you paint better. And and it was, mm. it's so true, actually, that um, if you don't overthink it, sometimes they all come together in one, you know. Often some of the paintings I've done are a bit like my plays. There's one painting that is just just like my play Fireblight where it's like this moon on the street and it's basically what is happening in the play um, mm. 
that's interesting. You know, you wouldn't think it when you're up to when you're up to it too closely, but when you step back a little bit, you think, oh, that was interesting that I painted that or I mm. wrote that at the same time that I was thinking about dipping my toe. I mean, you were creating artwork that was Shakespeare influenced, weren't you? Just before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. I, yeah, I think I um I s- talked a little bit about it in my kind of introduction episode for this actually. Um yeah, I was making pieces that were basically heart heart-shaped but abstract. But and trying to find language of the heart in Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. And I just kept finding that I was reading more Shakespeare than Yeah. And yeah. and I and then thinking, "Oh, I w- yeah. wonder if I can, you know, and it was almost yeah. like it sounds it sounds a bit cheesy, but my heart sort of led. Well, <laughs> making these heart forms led me back to well, the exactly. way I should exactly. It's be what going. you were saying earlier. It's like you were doing it before you realised that you wanted to to do it again, mm. and then looking at Shakespeare again, and then I remember looking at some of the things and thinking, oh, and then before you know it, you're auditioning for a play, and you're doing literally one of the longest monologues, <laughs> like longer than yeah. any <laughs> Shakespeare that's in any shape apart from Hamlet. You're 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 basically doing a female Hamlet on stage. <laughs> it's I just find that fascinating your journey that you've that you've found yourself there. You know, you really have been led by your heart and back to a true love. You know, of where yeah. you started. So I think it's great. Something I I keep asking is mm. if you imagine someone who is in that place where they aren't they aren't doing anything creative and they're missing it and they mm. but they're not sure how to start. Yeah. Is there anything you would say, like how? Yeah, I I, I would say that? you know that um, being creative doesn't mean that you suddenly have to write a short story or write a play or pick up a canvas and suddenly paint or draw or anything like. Being creative is that you know you can start writing a journal every day, even if it's five five lines of something of thoughts that are in your head. Or if you like doing cross-stitch, you can pick up a bit of cross-stitch and do that. You know, it's like being creative. Or you can decide to arrange food on your plate differently every night. Or, you know, creativity takes on so, so many forms. You know, rearrange your your lounge or, you know, just paint a mural on your wall. Or, I don't know, it's it's kind of, it's it's not a like an ambitious thing that you're not creative because you're not suddenly producing work that you're putting out into the world I think it's about finding your your personal space for it in your head that that serves as a catharsis for you and whether that's just walking outside and picking up a leaf and pressing that and putting it in, in a book I think it's something that should um, give you joy and make you you know, feel that you're more connected to the environment around you or what you want to say. So I, I would say that, because I always think of my granny, actually, I always think of my granny sitting there for hours on end doing her cross-stitch and thinking she was doing her creativity day after day. You know, it's it's where you find it, isn't it? We're not, yeah. all, we're not all Picasso and we're not all, you know, famous players and we're not all Shakespeare. But we can find we can find little rooms in our in our head to satisfy that part of our personality. I would say, yeah, because I do. I believe, like in um, the artist's way, the Julia Cameron's thing that we are all creative. It's just how yeah. we how we express it, and 
Yeah. Maybe that's it, finding everyday, the everyday joy of creating something. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a chef, you know, you like to arrange your food to look there, isn't it? It's inherent in our personalities. So enjoy it, embrace it, you know. Just we need it now more than ever, I think. Creativity and imagination, my word, don't we need it just now? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And anyone that sort of really inspires you? Um to be honest with you, a lot of my friends inspire me. I think, you know, reaching out to people, staying connected with people and finding out what they're doing and asking them how they've done it. And I'm really fueled by, I'm really fueled by the people sort of just, you know, believing in what I'm doing at the moment. And um, yeah, I would say just whatever seems like a silly idea, just do it and then show it to people you trust. Yeah, <laughs> <initially>. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so. thank you so much, Lou. I think I oh, it's been go, great. but that it's was lovely. Really so nice really to talk to you. Yeah, and I can't wait till uh till we get cloak visibility out again. <laughs> so I'm so excited. It'll be amazing. Yeah. And you and you're gonna be great in it. It will be um great to revisit that. So thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Creative Twist. I hope you've enjoyed it. Show notes and resources can be found on my website, sallyvandpump.com slash creative twist podcast. I'd love to connect on social media at Sally Vandpump and hear what inspires you to get or stay creative. Thanks to Rosie Kernahan for the podcast photo, to Vicky Arledge for composing the music, to Jen at Studio 2711 for the artwork and to Tina Cooney for her branding.